My mother believed and my father believed that if I wanted to be president of the United States, I could be, I could be vice president. This is America. Former Vice President Joe Biden has been elected president of the United States. It is my greatest honor and privilege to have been your president. We will be back in some form. We are still deeply divided. Public health experts warned this was coming unless more was done. And here we are now. Are you proud of what happened here today? Absolutely. Never before in American history has there been an uprising like this. Of the 75 million Americans who voted for Donald Trump, I don't know how many today are feeling, dear God, what was I thinking? But I would wager a lot more are thinking, let's carry on this fight. Character matters. It matters. Tell them the truth matters. The 21st century is going to be the American century. Because we lead not only by the example of our power, but by the power of our example. That is the history of the journey of America. Communions, the junior cert, Valentine's Day, Love Island, champagne with fireworks sticking out the top of the bottle. Can we add the January 6th committee to the list of things that are a complete waste of money and time. We're about to find out this week as the public hearings phase of the committee investigating the Capitol riot begins. Today on An Irishman in America, Marion McKeown will examine what the best and worst case scenario is for these hearings. Has the American public ever given less of a shit about a committee? And why is that exactly? Marion, it's great to have you back in America. <laughs> it's great to be back in America. And did you just say champagne was a waste of money? <laughs> Sorry. Well, sticking, was... sticking fireworks in the top of it is, definitely. Uh, okay, that's a waste of money. Okay. <laughs> uh, this is a uh, this is a huge week, isn't it? This like oh. this is what it's all about. This is what a thousand witnesses interviews, one one hundred and thirty-five thousand documents. This is what it gets. That's you. right. Yeah, and you know, and within those um, 135,000 separate documents are millions and millions of pages. You know, this is, it's cost about three and a half million dollars so far to bring the hearings to this point, which is a pretty modest amount. It's certainly a lot less than the uh, 9-11 Commission, the Independent Commission had spent in, in, in their work. Uh, so I think that the committee is operating pretty frugally by, by committee standards. But as sure. you said in the intro, Charlotte, the point is, is anyone listening? Now, you can't equate news junkies and people like our gang out there, the listeners and everything, who who are really politically interested in uh, with the normal American public. If you ask what America cares about today, it's the fact that petrol is around $5 a gallon. You know, that's the average across America. In places like California, where I am at the moment, it's about $7 a gallon uh, and and upwards of that. So that's what America cares about. You know, there's a really interesting thing that people almost bake into their cakes. You know, Putin is doing it in the Ukraine. um, And and I think it was done, you know, by the Republicans in, in, you know, a couple of weeks after January 6th, where they realized that the public attention doesn't stay with any big event, no matter how seismic, no matter how catastrophic, no matter how bloody, no matter how violent. The same thing is happening with the NRA and the school shootings are kind of going, you know what, yeah, this will all pass. Give it a couple more months, give it a year and people will get over it. And that is a political calculation that politicians make 
all the time. And I think that the same has been made here by Republicans that they're like, look, inflation is crazy. People can't get baby food, which I fail to see why that's Biden's fault. But anyway, according to Republicans, it is. Um, and, and, you know, as I said, the gas prices, the cost of living, uh, the American economy at the moment is so confusing because there are jobs, there are thousands, millions of jobs that are, are haven't been filled. There are jobs wanted, um, situations, vacant signs everywhere. I came in through the airport um, and there was, I think there was one while I was waiting, hundreds and hundreds of people waiting to get in through customs and immigration. There was one person on duty. There were signs everywhere saying, join up, join up, great pay, great conditions, etc. Uh, America is in a bizarre state at the moment. And, you know, the, the public attention has largely gone off the war in Ukraine and America showing a muscular foreign policy and you know American might uh, and American sort of unity with with the Western world um, and and they really don't care much I'm afraid by and large about the January 6th insurrection at this stage you know you're talking about 17 months after the event uh, that shock mm. and horror which was only felt by about half of the of america in any case maybe two-thirds has subsided in the face of more immediate more pressing challenges and for a lot of americans certainly most of trump supporters they would deny absolutely it was an, a resurrection they would deny that it was anything more than trump supporters trying to stop an election from being stolen and that they were the ones who were trying to rescue democracy not the other way around and that this is all to quote donald trump you know a hoax a sham a witch hunt. So it'll be very interesting. I mean, people, it's being hyped on some of the news um, media here. Uh, this evening, it's, it's it's taking place at eight o'clock Eastern time as, you know, my God, everybody's going to be watching another Watergate moment and there will be a narrative and even the committee is almost teasing it like you would a movie release or, or you know, saying never before, or a documentary release, like never before seen footage, we're going to put it all together for you. Uh, and And We'll see. I suspect there will be between six and eight public hearings. Only two will take place in prime time. I think that there might be a relatively high tuning in this evening, but I think that that might be the high point. And then the final one, I think, is taking place on June 23rd. But uh, as to what... Can the committee, apparently they have interviews with people like Ivanka Trump and Jared Kushner who have said or indicated, you know, to several people, look, they knew the election wasn't stolen. The election wasn't stolen. So to hear that from within Trump's inner circle, I think will be valuable. They'll also have people like Mark Short and Greg Jacobs, who were Dick Cheney's, I beg your pardon, Mike Pence's chief of staff and his lawyer, his counsel, who will describe how, while Mac, while Mike Pence was under assault in the Capitol and people were shouting, hang Mike Pence, Trump did nothing. And then, of course, you'll have the curious thing where you had between 12 o'clock and about 4.20 that afternoon, four, nearly four and a half hours, where Trump did nothing, even though there was live footage going out of police being attacked, of flags being used as battering rams, of crowds, you know, of appalling violence. So I think that the committee is hoping to show that from what the people I've spoken to, they want to show that this isn't just about January 6th. They want to show that there was a continuum that started even before the election, even before November 3rd. What will we do if Trump loses? What will within Trump's inner, inner circle? And of course, Trump had been saying for over a year before the election, this election is going to be stolen from me. It's going to be a fraud. If I lose it, it's stolen. If I win, it's not. You know, he, he'd been planting those seeds uh, for a long time before the election. And then there was the immediate on the night of the election, 
where he said he wouldn't concede and he said, um, frankly, we did win this election. This was a fraud. And, you know, it really went from there. And then you had all the other things that happened, all the crazies around him, the Sidney Powells, the Giuliani's, the multiple court cases, pressuring the Department of Justice to get involved, to declare that there was fraud. And then the, the and this is what the committee is trying to establish there were political attempts and very sinister political attempts from within the White House and Trump's allies outside the White House to basically overturn the results of the January 6th election uh, through just mindless propaganda, through pointless court cases, through a whole, through Fox News, through all the other media that were, were you know, friendly to this belief. But at, was, at what point was there a crossover? At what point mm. was, did the braid start being woven with guys like the Proud Boys? At what point did Trump, if he did know, that the way he was heading was to stir up a mob on January 6th and that that would be the final denouement. The committee is claiming this was all of a piece. Uh, what Trump and what the Trump supporters will say will say, no, 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 this January 6th um, violence was something that couldn't have been foreseen. People just got very upset on the day. It was a spontaneous combustion. If it was that, at worst, and at best they're saying it was just Trump supporters who were visiting the Capitol. So I think there, there are a lot of people who have different beliefs about this. Uh, I don't think, quite honestly, unless the committee does something heroic, that they're going to change any minds. Or if they do, there'll be very, very few about what actually happened and what Trump's role was in the yeah. violence of January 6th. Because federal investigators, as we know, at this point, have rounded up more than 800 alleged rioters and yeah. made arrests in almost every single state in the union. Yeah. But, uh, you know, some people will be listening to this going, well, is this, am I tuned into an old episode of Irishman in America? Because a lot of this stuff we've talked about and we already know there's, and this is one of the biggest problems, is it not, with the committee, that so much is already known from the video coverage, from the leaky side of the Trump administration. But this week we learned that instead of trying to convince his father-in-law not to try and overturn Joe Biden's election win, Jared Kushner retreated to his bedroom to work on his memoir. It's just one of the revelations contained in a forthcoming book from the New York Times chief White House correspondent Peter Baker and his wife Susan Glazer of The New Yorker. Uh, this September, they will publish The Divider, uh, Trump in the White House, 2017 to 2021. Marion, so far they're leading with this as the big revelation that emerged from this. I feel like we already kind of knew that Jared Kushner woke up in the middle of the night and said, we're moving to Miami. The Kushners yeah. are going to Miami. How How is this book going to be received? And is it not just another Trump book? You know, I I am so with you on this. Both Peter Baker and Susan Laser are terrific journalists. They're absolutely top-notch journalists, but we've already had... I've read at least half a dozen books about this already, at least minimum in the in the last year. Maggie Haberman from the New York Times says another book coming out in October along the same lines. Is anyone surprised? I remember one thing that Steve Bannon said years ago when I was on um, covering an event that he was at in um, 
Arizona. And there was a sort of a casual, you know, get together afterwards. And he very snidely referred to Jared Kushner as the breeze. And he called him the breeze because he said he breezes in, he breezes out. You know, he stays for what suits him. He sort of discards what doesn't. Jared Kushner was in the White House for one person. And that one person was Jared Kushner. You could be kind and extend it and say he was also in it for his wife, Ivanka, as well. But Jared Kushner immediately knew where he was going the day after the election, and that was to get the hell out of Dodge because, you know, he wasn't stupid. Both he and Ivanka Trump did. They never said the election was stolen. You never heard either of them say that, but they felt that they had done all they could to to publicize their brand in Washington at that stage. Kushner had sewn up some really juicy Saudi Arabian contacts. Um, I understand that in one of the investment funds that he set up since he has left the White House, the Saudis have invested about $5 billion. Uh, so he was setting himself up as this great businessman, investor, stroke, bringer of peace to the Middle East, stroke, self-promoter, anything else you want. His interest, the day that Trump lost power, he lost interest in Trump. And that was it. How, how is that, like the thing that you've just mentioned there about this $2 billion investment from Saudi Arabian wealth fund, essentially, how is that not what this book is about? Because... <laughs> Kushner moving to Miami is significant because it does create this vacuum into which the conspiracy theorists and loonies filled. The void that he left was where Giuliani and Sidney Powell jumped in and kind of fanned the flames. So him going was significant, but this surely this is within the remit of the House committee this Kushner deal, the $2 billion investment in Saudi Arabia, and how that isn't a dereliction of some sort of duty or something, something's wrong here, right? You know, I think that it's it's so typical of what you would expect from Kushner and Ivanka Trump, as I say, where they are the ultimate self-servers. But I don't think that that would necessarily be, it's appalling. That could be the subject of a separate investigation, the degree to which he feathered his nest while ostensibly working as a White House advisor, the degree mm. to which he had his eye on the main chance, but I'm not sure that you could make a case, a causal connection, as it were, between January 6th, between what happened afterwards and Kushner. Kushner claims that he said, well, if Giuliani is leading this, is driving this bus, I'm, I'm not getting on board, you know, because it's going over a cliff. Uh, I suspect Kushner was never going to be involved in any of this. As I said, he and Ivanka didn't believe the election was stolen. They just wanted to get the hell away from the crazies uh, mm. and to protect their own reputations because it's all about their reputation reputations and their future opportunities. It's it's appalling because they did stand by. They did stand by and pretty much just, as you say, let it happen. But I sure, think that Jared Kushner's, Jared Kushner's role as a Trump whisperer has always been overstated in that White House. Really? I mean, if yeah, I absolutely believe that and Ivanka Trump's because what did they do? If Can anyone point out their successes? In what way did they tone down Trump? In what way did they curb his excesses? Because, my God, if that was Trump when his excesses had been curbed by his daughter and son-in-law, 
what would Trump unplugged have been like? You know, um, I like they like to say themselves, and and you really you hear them saying it more than anybody else. And and their their champions, oh my God, they were you know imagine what it would have been like if they weren't there. Well, you know, so many Trump reputation launderers have used that from you know John Kelly, the former chief of staff, Mike Mulvaney, the former chief of staff, and uh, you know Bill Barr, the attorney general. They have all come out and written their reputation laundering books to say. You think it was bad? Well, imagine what it would have been like if I hadn't been there. Even the Army, the Joint Chiefs of Staff, and Mark Milley yeah. did that. Went to, you know, so I'm a bit tired of all this because I can't see what any of them did that know, in any way curbed so Trump's funny. It's, it's so funny that we're like, oh, God, I don't know if I can take another Trump book. But I, there <laughs> I is a part of me that's thinking, I really want to read this Kushner one. I mean, if he took all this time off. Oh, his memoir. According, I, <laughs> yeah, his memoir is going to be like, well, do we know when it's coming out? And who exactly did he take this master class from? This keeps getting referenced uh, in It was in, James in the Patterson, the, the, um, the crime writer, wasn't it, who also wrote a book with uh, Bill Clinton. They wrote what The a, President is Missing. Interesting choice. Um, yeah, but you know, he writes fiction. Okay. <laughs> yeah, mean, you know, he's he's not a memoir writer. He writes <laughs> he writes crazy shit that you couldn't make up. Basically, I mean, that's what James Patterson specializes in, and uh, yeah. so. The fact that Jared Kushner is is taking his cue from him it just shows you how little. Look, this will be, you know, it's and it's entirely consistent. Again, it's look at the record. Jared Kushner has been nothing but a relentless self promoter for his entire adult life. Who who is enormously entitled and who was handed everything, but acts like he created it all himself. Mm. Uh, you know, I I suspect this book. It may be funny. It may be an unintentionally comic read. I suspect any comedy will be strictly unintentional. But uh, I'm I am not holding my breath to read this because yeah, Jared Kushner, if if he, he speaks, been. if he writes as as in in the same way that he speaks, which is to crush you to death with boredom, he's the most boring speaker I have ever encountered. Um, I suspect that unless he's got some hidden literary genius, which again, I doubt, uh, that this book is not going to be one that will keep you white knuckled through the early hours of the morning reading what Jared did next. Yeah, it's it's definitely got a comedy title. It's like um, the thick of it, nearly the title, yeah. Breaking History, a White House <laughs> memoir. Uh, Jared but Kushner's memoir drops on August twenty third. What, what, what does, does that even mean? mean? How what can you mean? break history? You break I just, history. Yeah, very, very strange. Oh what a oh, strange! But like that strangeness is what um, characterizes this this whole period in American history. The person, though, that swung into action, and that I'm really interested to know: Will the committee? rope this man in is Donald Trump Jr., who uh, texted Mark Wet Meadows, the then White House chief of staff, and described to him how Team Trump uh, could subvert the election results by having Republican legislatures in states won by Biden invalidate their results and send yeah. their electoral votes for Trump on January 6th yeah. instead. But, the, you know, the, this this guy quietly on the side, this is the this is why it's so fascinating. Worked yeah. on the side with Biden's aides to prepare for the transition. Is this just stuff that we're going to get in that this book that uh, I mentioned earlier, The Divider, or is any of that likely to come out in the public hearings of this committee? 
I don't think that that part will come out. And, you know, again, I think it's overstated. Look, the one person I've seen far too much of in the last five years, and honestly, if I never saw him again, I'd be more than delighted, is Donald Trump Jr. I have covered so many events that he's been at, so many, you know, various meetings, committee meetings, rallies, you name it, appearances with his uh, fiance, uh, Kimberly mm. Guilfoyle. They, they are a shock show, the two of them. They really are. But, you know, his... I suspect that the committee's interest in Donald Trump Jr., as you say, he had also this harebrained idea to put it charitably. Donald Trump Jr. is not the sharpest knife in the drawer by a long shot. In fact, I'm not sure he's even a knife. I think he might be a spoon. He thinks he's a knife. A spoon and thinks he's a knife. But anyway, uh, I think what they're interest in Donald Trump Jr. Will be, would be, okay, yes, we know that on January 6th, he texted Mark Meadows and basically said, like, this, you know, has to stop or whatever, send them home. Like, he did seem to be alarmed by, by what was unfolding at the Capitol and indeed who wouldn't be. Uh, but, you know, leading up to that, as you say, he was all in on this. Let's subvert this election. Let's overturn this election. Let's use any means necessary to keep my father in power. The other thing that I've noticed at a number of events, especially in the Northeast um, and Northwest indeed, you know, places like Michigan, Ohio, Wyoming, all these places where Donald Trump likes to hang out and strut his manly stuff, Donald Trump Jr. with his gun and what have you, is he is the mascot of the white supremacists, of groups like the Proud Boys. Yeah, they like Trump, but they worship Trump Jr. And, you know, do, did he have a role? What, because clearly it, it seems that there were communications. You may remember Trump a long, you know, not that long ago, but saying to the Proud Boys to stand back and stand by like instead mm. of telling them to stand down he refused to do that and uh, you know the, the, so the, you know we've, we've seen the proud boys like the arrests and the, the indictments etc coming up again and again now what was there a go between with trump and the proud boys was it steve bannon he certainly seems to have had, had his paws all over this to a degree was it donald trump jr we don't know i think that the committee that is what they're trying to connect they're trying to connect the whole crazy show of as i say like subverting the will of the voters sending false electors to the capital all that kind of crazy stuff with the amassing of the Proud Boys the night before and, and days before in Washington, in fact, and they were there prepared, it seems, to do no good, that they were there prepared to egg on the mob, prepared to do whatever they felt was necessary to ensure that Trump remained in power and to ensure that Joe Biden was not certified as the next president. So that's, that's the bit that interests me. It's that connection. We know what happened at the end. We know what happened right up until the, January 6th. And can they connect the two? Can they connect, as I say, the the, the uh, political determination to subvert democracy, which people are overlooking how serious that is, with the actual violent determination to to overturn democracy? Because is it more it, about yeah. history, though, Marion, is it is it is the purpose of the committee and the way people are getting so upset over what a waste of money it is and how nothing they don't even have the ability to prosecute anybody. Uh, is it more about let the record reflect that this is what took place? Is it about correcting the historical record of what January 6th actually was and what brought it about? Well, you know, I spoke with Jamie Raskin, uh, who is 
on the committee quite a while ago, and he was one of the second impeachment House managers when Trump was impeached for January 6th for the insurrection. Um, and he his um, thing was to, to say that Trump is an ongoing danger. This isn't about history. And that was what he, what he said to me when I spoke to him on the Capitol. He said, this isn't just about history. This is about an ongoing danger. Uh, th- th- that, you know, Trump may very likely run again in 2024 if he does and he loses What's going to happen then? It, you know, is it like what what plans will be in place then to grab power by any means necessary? You know, should Trump be allowed to run again? Because we have seen that, you know, and I think we spoke about it on the show before, there is a constitutional provision that bars people who took federal officials who took place in, in any kind of an uprising from running from office for, for office again. Uh, would that apply to Trump? I think that what the committee is going to do is they're going to bring out their report in October or September, uh, I think it will make very, very little difference to the midterms. It won't be the midterm issue. I, I can guarantee that. The price of petrol, inflation, all those things will be the midterm issue. Uh, and, and they don't bode well for Joe Biden. But I, I think that what they are hoping is if they hand over this big file to the Department of Justice, which has been really, you know, I think that the Biden administration, the great big unspoken is that Merrick Garland was a terrible mistake as an attorney general, that this guy is a judge, he's not an attorney general, and and that giving him this as the consolation prize for not getting the Supreme Court was a big strategic error. But so what I think what will happen is that they will hand it over to the Department of Justice and they will decide then whether or not there are grounds to prosecute Trump and whether there are grounds to prosecute anybody else criminally. And if they are, what are those grounds and, and when and how will those prosecutions take place? But they will take years if they take place. So the two things to look out for before we leave this this subject, yeah. because this is obviously going to be all over the news all week and all weekend, the, the two big things to look out for must be these 1,000 closed-door depositions that they've taken from, as you say, Ivanka and Jared and uh, Hope Hicks and Stephen Miller. These, are they going to play these in full? Like, what, what, like, when we say you want to see this connection being made, we've all watched them waffle. And it doesn't make for riveting TV because it's so bureaucratic, bogged down in this technical speak, that it's so unmitigatingly boring that you you nearly need to be paid to watch it. Never mind, uh, you need somebody to make sense of it. These videos, will they just get lost in the wash of this? Or is it more the reveal of these videos and actually getting to see Ivanka make her statement that we should be watching out for. Yeah, I think it's the reveal because as you say, God knows we've all seen we've seen that footage a million times. There is nothing that footage of of the January 6th right unfolding in real time is shocking, but it's lost the ability to shock because it's been shown so often. So I think that the committee and as I said it is it's like that um you know they're almost promoting it like a, a, a sensational documentary you know that never before seen footage never before established facts etc etc now will it live up to the billing like will there in fact be all of this stuff and will people because you know watergate happened about i think it was 50 years ago the actual break-in it was exactly half a century ago june 2022 the hearings were in 2023 the average american watched 30 hours of the watergate hearings but back then you had 
it was like Henry Ford saying you can have any a car any colour you want as long as it's black. You know, you, you had NBC, you had ABC and you had CBS and PBS and they were all showing the hearings. So there was nothing else on mm. TV. The newspapers, the big national newspapers, the powerful regional newspapers were all covering the hearings. Now you have... Um, news outlets like Newsmax, like Fox, like Fox, et cetera, which will either completely ignore them, in which case all of their their um, viewers, the very people who you might think might need to see this, you know, um, w- won't see it at all. Um, the, again, the right-wing newspapers and news media online, they will all take, it will be viewed through an entirely right-wing prism and the left-wing will do the same. So I think that un- unlike in the old days where you had People who could say, okay, objectively, this did happen. Watergate was burgled. You know, they did they did break into the DNC headquarters. You know, Nixon was involved. So, you know, th- th- uh, there, there's no agreement on the narrative on January mm. 6th. There's no agreement. So I think that and is the real I think also the attention span is an issue that when exactly. those Watergate hearings were taking place, people would sit down yeah, and watch TV for the evening. No, this no is Netflix. what we're watching. Yeah. Yep. Whereas... Millions are being spent on movies that I, I have given 10 seconds to on Netflix yeah. on the yeah. basis that I didn't <laughs> like the credits. That said, I have a great recommendation for what's good. At the end of this, we every week, Marion recommends something from the media, some a book or a documentary or a piece. That's part of the Patreon bonus content that you get if you come over to Patreon uh, for as little as a five or a month. You get to hear the full conversation with Marion and Sonia and this Sunday, our big interview with Tony Cantwell. Come on over there to hear the rest of this conversation and we'll go to the break. Ready? You have the cameras rolling? This is America. A lot of people who would probably consider themselves liberal have done very well financially under the Donald Trump four years. You encouraged espionage against our people. You condemn any interference by Russia in the American election. By Russia or anybody else. Russia, please, if you can, get us Hillary Clinton's emails. Please, Russia, please. To renew America, we must revitalize our democracy. 